I work, as you know, for a great company called Specsavers. And um, I was working yesterday and I was having a great time. But outside Specsavers, there is a, a wire mesh. And the children, if they want to leave now, that'd be great. There's a, there's a wire mesh outside Specsavers. And that's designed to, to keep the pigeons out of the store. And also the pigeons off the buildings, which is great. The only trouble is, when the pigeon gets inside, it's trapped for life. And guess who they call when the pigeon gets trapped? They call for me. I don't know whether they've got some kind of ornithological, bird gifting, uh, but I'm called to set the pigeons free. So yesterday afternoon, I left my glazing department and I went out up to the back steps, got my wire cutters, and this poor pigeon was trapped, right? Flapping its wings, looking at me as if I was going to kill it and have pigeon pie. But with my pliers, I set it free. And as I set it free, it fluttered up into the sky and flew off into the sky. It was a beautiful moment. And I started singing, Born free, as free as... No, never mind. I want to just talk about the fact that we are called to be free as Christians. There's a wonderful scripture in Romans chapter 8 I want to just look at for a few moments. See, the thing is, we're not called just to live religious lives, to go through religious form and formalities. We're called to live dynamically set free, holy ghost liberated lives. And it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 19, 21, these words. For the whole of creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Brought into glorious freedom. And God's heart for us today is that God will set us free. Not just a normal freedom, but a glorious freedom. And Paul puts these two thoughts next to each other in Romans chapter 8. The whole of creation is decaying. The whole of the world is getting worse and worse and worse. My car is a great car, but it's getting dirty all by itself. It's getting rusty all by itself. My car will not overnight transform into a Rolls Royce or BMW. It will just gradually get worse and worse and worse. If I leave a cup of coffee on the side of my kitchen in the morning, it will just get worse, not better. And life without Christ is one steady decline. It gets worse and worse and worse. But life with Christ gets better and better and better. Amen? Some of you have been Christians a long time. And some of you know the fact that no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, it just gets better and better and better. Amen? Three of you believe that. That's fantastic. See, we, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, God is able to bless you abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, 
at all times, having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. All things, all you need, all the time, God's able to richly bless you with. Now the question is this morning, are you living, am I living in the abundance of that grace and favour? Is the grace of God so liberally poured out upon our lives that we just live in the overflow? Or are we just making it through each day? See, God's not called us just to make it through each day. He's called us to live in the abundance of his grace. (laughs) Honestly. You see, the world without Christ is fertile, fruitless, it's frustrated, it's just going downhill. But the life with Christ gets better and better. Do you believe it? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16, outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed. I look at my hairline on the Sunday morning before I come to church. I think it's receding, but though outwardly I am receding, inwardly I am proceeding. I'm moving forward into the purposes of God. And God has got a plan for you, despite what happens on the external. God wants to start to renew us internally. Amen. You see, God wants to fill us with an abundant kind of life. See, the renewal that God wants to bring to us is not just making it a new day in a new way. He wants us to live radically different lives. The Holy Spirit has poured out himself upon us to empower us to live godly, powerful and effective lives. The thing is, we need to press into all that God has got for us. We are called to live in the overflowing, growing, superabundant grace of God in our lives. But so often we get stuck in the shallows. God has got so much more for us. But so often we just get stuck in the shallows when there's so much more. See, there's three things you can do in God this morning. You can either move forward, or you can move backwards, you can go around in circles. But standing still is not an option. Why? Because God is always on the move. God never stays in the same place twice. He always moves on. He always grows, develops, increases. And God wants us to follow him. You see, the thing is, we're set off religion. And religion is comfortable. It's acceptable. We know where all the lines are drawn in religion. We know where we fit in religion. But the thing is, God doesn't live in our boxes. He wants to break out the boxes. And us to be free to be who we are in him. See, religion domesticates its adherence. Religion will domesticate you, put you into a box and make you fit. But grace liberates its recipients. Are you free today? Are you free today? Am I free today? We're called to be free to live passionately for Christ. Our next slide is a picture of a little boy by the seaside. There he is, up to his ankles in the water. But before him is a vast ocean waiting to be discovered. And as Christians, we get saved. We land upon the shore of salvation. We enjoy the the sea. We enjoy the gentle lapping of the waves. We enjoy the sound and the sun. But God says, there's so much more. 
below. There's so much more. And the thing is, God has laid a banquet tent before his children. And if you would partake of it, you can partake of it. It's up to you to press in to the deep waters and discover all that God's got for you. See, Tozer, many years ago, a prophet from America, God bless him, says this, to speak of the deeper life is to speak of nothing more than basic New Testament Christianity. The reason why we call it the deeper life is because most of our lives are tragically shallow. See, there's more. There's more to Christianity than just going to church on a Sunday, saying your prayers and singing your hymns. It's a life filled with Holy Ghost dynamic power. Living in abundance, overflowing with grace and mercy. You see, we settle so much for where we are. But I want to draw back the curtain this morning and say, if you lift up your eyes, you'll see so much more that God has for you and for me. In this vast country that is set before us, there are undiscovered mountains, there are uncrossed rivers, there are uncharted landscapes, there's undiscovered treasures, there's unseen vistas in the power and the personality and the presence of God. And for me, I don't want to just kick around in the shallows enjoying just nice times of worship because I know there's more. And today, that moreness of God, He wants to ush you in. I want to plumb the depths of the divine. I want to search out the unsearchable. I want to see the invisible. I want to reach the unreachable. I want to touch the untouchable. And God says, you can. You can. We looked at hungry people last week and week before. If you're hungry, Jesus stands up on the last and the greatest day of the feast in John 7 and says, listen, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Are you thirsty today? Or are you satisfied? Are you ready to set off where you are? I'm hungry today for more of God. I know he's got so much more. When Christopher Columbus set off in 1492, who was there? I wasn't there. But in on the Pillars of Hercules, which are the Straits of Gibraltar, there was a phrase written in Spanish or Latin, not too sure, and it said this, Ne plus ultra. Ne plus ultra. And that means there's nothing beyond. So the Spanish people thought that there was nothing worth going to beyond the Straits of Gibraltar. And what we call in those days the Pillars of Hercules. But this man, even though he was told by his friends there's nothing beyond those pillars, his faith stirred him to go beyond the place. To discover something for his heart. And the Bible, the Bible says, and history tells us, that he found a land called San Salvador, which means Holy Saviour. Now as we step out in faith into the unknown, we find that Christ is waiting for us. Are you ready to step out in faith? Or are you settling for where you are? I want to look at three things this morning briefly. The Bible talks about three things that are really important for us as we journey on in our Christian faith. In Romans chapter 1 verse 17, it says, There's a righteousness that is revealed from faith 
to faith. A righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. Psalm 84 verse 7, they go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength. And 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 18, they are transformed from glory to glory. See, as Christians, we focus on the fact that we were once weak and we're now strong. We focus on the fact that we once had doubt and now we have faith. Once had shame and now we have glory. But the heart of God isn't that we just move from death to life, but we continue to move forward into the purposes of God. We go from faith to faith, we go from strength to strength, we go from glory to glory. So no matter whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or five years or 50 years, there's always more glory. There's always more strength. There's always more faith for us to enter into and enjoy. The thing is, in, in social, social, sociology, there's a thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The inbuilt into every human being is a desire to improve, a desire to grow, a desire to move forward. We have to acknowledge that divine DNA inside us. We have to recognize that God's put something inside us that yearns for more. So Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 says this. Next slide, please. From faith to faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, says Paul, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes, first for the Jews and then also for the Greeks. For therein is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. The just shall live by faith. I remember when I was 17 years old, non-Christian, pagan, heathen, kneeling on my bedroom floor at my parents' house, saying, God, if you're there, I want to put my trust in you. And that first step of faith I made at 17, to give my life to Christ was a step of faith. But we're not called just to have one step of faith. The Bible says we are called to walk by faith. We're called to live by faith. And so often we think, once we've stepped out once into faith, we think we've arrived. But the truth is, we haven't arrived. Bishop Lightfoot says this, Faith is the starting point, and faith is the goal. When's the last time you stepped out in faith into the unknown? When was the last time you stepped out trusting God to be there? I remember when I was a young, I was a young Christian, I used to drive by faith. Never had any money for petrol. <laughs> used to drive on fumes for miles. I'm sure many of you had similar stories. But now I'm matured, I, I got a decent job, I put petrol in the car, I make sure that I'm going to be okay because I'm mature and sensible. But in the early days, I just trusted God and he came through for me. I want us as a house to rediscover that simple childlike trust in God. That God, I'm going to just rely on you, I can't, it doesn't make sense, I don't know how it's going to work out. Don't have got enough petrol to make it back home. I'm just going to simply put my trust and faith in you. Do you remember those early days? 
when you first trusted God, when you first put your faith in Him, that you floated on air, that Jesus was so real to you, that it just became alive, every time you read the Bible, it was just live. How often we just slip back from where we were to where we shouldn't be. And today God wants to renew our faith and renew our trust in him. It's time to step out again in faith. It's time to step out into something new. How do we get more faith? By exercising the faith that we how do we press into high levels of faith by stepping out into the things that we've given, got faith for today? Philemon chapter 1 verse 6, is there one, one chapter in Philemon, so it's cha- Philemon chapter, verse 6, says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. There's a principle that Paul wants to teach us this morning that it's not until you step out in faith that you see the full revelation of who you are in Christ. You'll never understand how much you've got until you give away what you've got. Last week, Pastor George talked about the woman with the oil, the cruise of oil. And she asked her sons to bring in the empty jars and she began to pour. If she'd waited for her jar to be filled to the top, she would never have poured out into the lives of those other jars. You'd pour out, not of the abundance of what you have, but sometimes you have to pour out of the poverty that you have. Your little bit can make a huge difference when you pour it out before Almighty God. See, we have to realise it's not about us being blessed or rich, it's just us pouring out all that we have to God. If you want to grow... We have to flow. If you want to know, then we have to go. Tozer again says this. Faith, like a muscle, gets stronger through stretching. When was the last time your faith was stretched? When was the last time you were in a situation where you knew you just had to rely upon the Lord? I remember as a young man being in London, left in the castle, going door to door, telling people about a meeting we had planned. And this one man opened the door of this flat in Southampton Way, in Elephant Castle. And his wife was poorly, so he asked me to come in and pray for his wife. I was shaking in my boots. (laughs) But as we prayed, God began to touch her life, and God healed her dramatically in front of my very eyes. But faith has to step out into. And as you do that, you find that faith grows inside you. The thing is, you can sit here this morning and you can have so much great stuff poured into your life. You can read your Bible, you can listen to worship songs, you can have so much being poured into your life. But even the cleanest of water in the lake, unless there's an outlet of that water, it becomes stagnant and dry. God wants to pour out stuff into your life and my life. But we have to let that river that God's poured in flow out to touch our world. When's the last time you stepped out in faith? When's the last time you dared to believe God for something that you thought was impossible? 
Because every time you step out in faith, God it always comes through for you. Our second point this morning. We go from strength to strength. Psalm 84 verse 5 and 7 says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts have been set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. This psalm talks about we need to understand that our strength is not in ourselves, but our strength is in God. God delights to use the weak things of this world to shame the wise. Isaiah 4, it says this, He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men will stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's easy just to focus on being turned from weakness into strength. But God wants to turn our strengths into strengths. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of him. There was a man in the office called Caleb. Caleb was a, a hero of faith. And he had a different spirit. He understood the principle of renewal. That if you followed God with his whole heart, if he was hungry for God, if you followed God with a determination, a dogged determination, if you served the Lord with wholehearted devotion, he knew that he would possess all that God has got for him. His friends didn't agree with him, his friends didn't support him, but he knew he could press in to all that God had got for him. And it says in Joshua 14, he says these words, Here I am today, 85 years old, and I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Here's Caleb, 85 years old. Everybody else is hanging up their boots and saying it's time to retire. Get to the villa in the south of Spain. But the thing is, no matter where we are, there's a corner that these latter years will be greater than the former years. God is not bringing your life to an end in weakness. He wants to bring your life to an end in strength and in glory. That we go out not in a whimper, but in a blaze of glory. Proclaiming the Lord as our Saviour and our King. It says in that verse that those who set their hearts on pilgrimage. We're on the journey, my friends. Faith is not static. Faith is moving forward. Faith is dynamic. We often stagger from one crisis to another. Just eking out an existence. But God calls us to grow and to go from strength to strength. There's three areas I want to just quickly challenge ourselves on this morning in terms of strength. <coughs> How's your capacity today? How's your capacity? Are you able to carry more, to hold more, to absorb more? Or is your capacity decreased because of hurt or pain? How's your ability this morning? Are you able to do more now than you were in days gone by? Or is your ability 
been contracted. And thirdly, how's your stability today? Are you still stable in your faith? Or are you wobbling? Are you able to remain strong through the trials of this life? Capacity, ability and stability. Those are the three key areas of our strength. If we are able to increase our capacity, if we're able to increase our ability, if we're able to increase our stability, then we become stronger and stronger. I shared with you a few weeks ago that uh, we bought John the computer game for Christmas. And it was a great computer game. And I'm now on level one. <laughs> it's a great game. And the thing is, in this particular level, you have to go through a maze, you have to collect jewels, you have to defeat the enemy, you have to scale walls, you have to escape. But sometimes we get stuck on level one. Sometimes we can't get past the enemy, can't get through the maze, can't collect the jewels. But sometimes we don't get stuck on level one, sometimes we, we settle for level one. We become familiar with what we're doing on level one, we like the pattern, we like the game, we know what we're doing. But the thing is, there's more levels to conquer. And every level you go through in your Christian faith prepares you for the next level. There's more skills to learn. There's a greater capacity that God wants to build into our lives. There's a greater ability and a greater stability. But it's easy to get stuck where we are. It's easy to self where we are. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's having a great time. Moses and Elijah turn up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter is so overwhelmed by this. He says, hey, Jesus, this is brilliant. Can we just build three little booths and just stay here? And sometimes when we have an experience of God, we'll just stay where we are. We'll just settle for our experience. But the thing is, at the bottom of the mountain, there's a young boy who's possessed by a demon whose father has got no faith to believe for anything. And we need to go up to the mountain, we need to see what God is doing. We need to also return to the valley and to allow the power of God to flow through us. Have you settled on your journey of faith? Have you got stuck in your journey of faith? See, God called Abraham out of the early Chaldees. Abraham, come to me. There's a promised land I've got for you. It travels 600 miles. And 400 miles before it gets to Canaan's promised land, he stops at a place called Haran, at the crossroads. Sometimes when God calls out, we get stuck halfway. But today, God wants us to move into all that He has got for us. Don't settle, don't get stuck. When God has got so much more for you. Uh, next slide, my third and final point. 2 Chronicles, 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We're called to move from faith to faith, from strength to strength, and from glory to glory. From glory to glory.
man called Irenaeus, a uh, Greek father in the early church, first century, said this, the glory of the Lord is a man or woman fully alive. When we are living in the abundance of Christ, when we are living in the power of the Holy Spirit, the abundance of Christ fills every single part of our beings. Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, I have come that you might have life in all its abundance. We're called to reflect his glory. When we're living in the overflow of his grace, when we're growing from faith to faith, from strength to strength, his glory is reflected in our lives. In Exodus 34, Moses comes down the hill. He spent time alone with God face to face. He doesn't realise it, but his face is glowing with the glory of Jesus, the glory of God. Um, he has to put a veil over his face because the glory of God is so radiant it's just blinding but the Bible says that his glory faded it decayed, it declined but the Bible says that when we look upon the face of Christ and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit our glory does not fade but intensifies it goes from glory to glory to glory to glory you need to be shining bright today than you were yesterday if our lives are open to God, then we become recipients of a weekly, daily, monthly, hourly, minute by minute, second by second, inflow of the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you open to receive that inflow of the Spirit? You see, we're called to be transformed. The word in Greek is metamorpho. It means to change inwardly. Change from the inside out. Not a mere, mere external change, but an internal transformation. Transformed into his image. See, what is the primary role of the Holy Spirit? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Simply this, to recreate in you and me the character and the nature and the ministry and the mission of Jesus. The word Christians means little Christs. <laughs> little Christs. Not that we are saviors of the world, but we are like him. 1 John 2 verse 6 says this, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. The Bible says, be ye holy as I am holy, says the Lord. Hebrews chapter 14 verse 12 says this, For that holiness, no man will see God. Are you being transformed into his image? Are you being transformed into his likeness? Are we being transformed from one degree of glory to another? There's a wonderful scripture in 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 to 3 says this, Behold what great love the Father has lavished upon us. That we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is because it did not know him. Dear friends, now that we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. 
and all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. You see, when we say we need to be holy, it's not about us trying to be better people or trying to be self-righteous or trying to do things to improve ourselves. According to this scripture, the motivation for holiness is the fact that he is coming again. I know we look around us and we think, well, Christ is a long way off. But the Bible says that he can come like a thief in the night. And if you're not ready for him, you can be left out of the greatest party of all eternity. But we are called to be holy people. Our motivation is the fact that he's coming. But the means of our holiness is this. Not that we try hard to be good or we cut out bad things, but we fix our gaze upon Jesus. It says there, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. I've been a pastor for many years. And people come to me time and time again with their problems saying, oh, I've got so many problems, Adrian. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm just I'm trying so hard. I'm focusing on my problems, trying to just work through them all. My answer to them is every time, stop focusing on your problems. Focus on the solution. We can get so caught up with going round and round in circles, trying to overcome problems in our lives, but if we were to lift our eyes for a second off ourselves and focus our eyes on him, God can work a miracle in your life and in mine. We're called to reflect the Lord's glory. Tonight, it was a beautiful, clear night. I got up early in the morning, as I do sometimes, and the moon was shining brightly in the sky. I love moonlight. Who loves moonlight? The way that it lights up the gardens and the streets, it's just fantastic. It's like a, an eerie kind of light. And God put the sun by day and the moon by night to govern the earth. But as you know, the moon has no light in itself. It's not a ball of gas. <laughs> it's just a cold bit of rock. It's a bit of dust like you and me. And as the moon turns its face towards the sun and reflects upon the dark side of the earth, the light of the sun can be seen upon the dark world. As Christians, we've got no light in ourselves, but we reflect the Lord's glory into our world. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, his light hits your face and bounces off into your world. I've met some people who just radiate Jesus, don't they? You look at them and they just, the way they smile, the way they worship, the way they, the way they walk, just, just radiates the love of Christ. And I'll be a person that does that, that in my life, the light of Christ reflects into my world. The thing is, with any planet, with any star, with any planet, or with any uh, moon, the lighter the surface of the object, the greater the reflection. So the moon only has a 15% reflection rate because it's so dark. 
Uh, next slide, please. The moon is quite a dark surface that only reflects 80% of the sun's light. Venus reflects 75% of the sun's light, and the Earth 37% of the sun's light, because it's darker. The darker our lives, the less light we shine. The more sin we let into our lives, the more doubt we let into our lives, the less light will shine in our world. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. How do we perfect holiness? According to the conclusion now, it's by our focus on him and by our surrender to him. Consume all of me, Jesus. Remove every stain of sin and shame and selfishness from my life. Make me a reflector of your glory. Remove every dark stain that I may shine for you. We're called to be holy. We're called to go from strength to strength, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We're not called just to kick around in the shallows. We're called to enter into all that God has got for us. Is your life increasing? Is your faith increasing? Is your strength increasing? Is your glory increasing? Because when we are embedded into Christ, all that just flows out from within us. Because it's his work in our lives. Let's stand together, shall we? Just draw our time together to a close. <coughs> Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. Thank you for this time around your word. And we pray, Lord, that you'll put in us a holy dissatisfaction of where we are today a holy discontentment Lord in our hearts and give us a thirst and a hunger to press into all that you've got for us a life of abundance a life of joy and peace that overflows with thankfulness and praise in Jesus name Amen, Amen. God bless you